Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Monday, October the 23rd, 2023. It is currently 6.28 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, at 5 a.m. this morning, 5 a.m. this morning, I received the following. All right, are you ready? Here is the title. The Evangelicals Calling for War on Poor People. The Evangelicals Calling for War on Poor People. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. What did I miss? What did I... Wait, when did evangelicals declare war on poor people? The the evangelicals calling for war on poor people. When did they start calling for it? Did they declare it? Where is this war being fought? What did I miss? I, I, I try to get a couple of hours of sleep. And the next thing you know, I wake up in a war and I'm like, what, what, what is going on? I, I'm not aware of this. So I have not read this. I have not, I've not, I, I know it's a, an article uh, from the New Republic. I know it was published early this morning. Um, I know very little. I know it's it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three. It looks like twenty-four paragraphs. I know there's currently nine hundred and fourteen comments underneath it. I don't know what we're about to find. I don't know what we are about to discover, but we're going to take a little bit of time and work through this. Obviously, there's no way we're going to make it through all of these paragraphs. So you may want to, you can probably look this up online. The evangelicals calling for war on poor people. All right. I don't really know what's going on. I must have missed this, but I thought we would at least explore it together in real time. So you know what that means. Real time, I don't know what's getting, we're getting ready to find. It may be something of great value, may not be of anything of great value. But see, here's the danger. When you have a microphone in your home, right? You, and you have a studio here. Guess what? Then at any point, I can just say, you know what? I'm going to look at this. I can either look at this and spend an hour looking at it myself. Then, then going live, that's two hours of time, or I can just use the time when I'm looking at it to talk about it live on the air. And then if we need to, flesh something out or add something to it. We can do that later. And then you get two programs. And then if I don't have to do another one, then you got it in real time. So I don't know. You you can talk about the pros and cons of it. Okay. But here we go. The evangelicals calling for war on poor people. All right. Underneath it, there's a picture. Everything's kind of in a purple color. It looks like a huge choir. Then there's all of the orchestra Then there is a, and then you can tell there's a giant screen above it. You can see barely the words, how great is our God. There's someone up in the audience with his hand raised. You see the large American flag. You know, it's got to be a church then, right? Unless it's my church, since there are no American flags in my church or anywhere on the property because there never will be, but that's a whole different story. And uh, there's a bunch of men in suits standing on the platform and they're all singing And then underneath that photograph are these words. First paragraph. A God who does his best work in the dark 
hours is an integral is integral to the story of American evangelical Christianity. They say, so what's integral to the story? An integral part to the Christian story is this idea that God does his best work in the dark hours. When the things, when things are at its darkest, that's when God shows up. When things look hopeless, that's when God shows up. When things look helpless, that's when God shows up. Do not lose hope in the darkness. Do not lose hope when it appears all is lost because God shows up then. That, I mean, I can almost preach it. I've heard those kinds of sermons. They say that's an integral part to the Christian story, the Christian narrative. Now, you can tell me whether you agree or disagree with that sentence, but let me read it again. A, a God who does his best work in the dark hours is an integral, is integral to the story of an American evangelical Christianity. The stuff of country music songs and conversions and roadside motels, Jesus tends to come to people at their lowest and loneliest. Is that, do you think that's an integral part to the Christian story? God shows up. This is not just true of country songs. This is just not true of, of someone in a broken down motel on a highway at three in the morning. You know, they're alone and they walk into this hotel. They're at the bottom of, you know, their life. I mean, they've hit rock bottom and there is a Bible on the, on the, on the nightstand and they pick it up and read and they're converted. Those are, that, that, those stories do kind of show up in that kind of setting, right? Jesus tends to come to people at their lowest and their loneliness. The low, low, loneliness, right? When, they, when they're at the loneliest part of their life, right? Right? Okay. I, I, we, we, I could go into a lot of different directions right here, and we could have a deep philosophical discussion here. All right? But, okay, so when people are at the lowest and their loneliest, right, the only problem is that some of God's most pernicious Modern day apostles understand this all too well. See, the problem is with that narrative, whether we agree with it or disagree with it, whether we think it's a good thing or a bad thing, some of the most pernicious modern day so-called apostles also understand this narrative. At a time when fewer and fewer believers are going to church, it is consumption in these dark times that illuminates a deeply antisocial shift in evangelical Christian beliefs. All right, we got we to take this apart. I don't know exactly where they're going. So they're putting forth the idea that there's this narrative within Christianity that God shows up in the darkest hour, right? When we're at our lowest and our loneliest, that's when God shows up, Right? Lowest, loneliest point, God shows up, right? It's not just stuff of country songs, but this is the story of Christianity, okay? The only problem, they claim, is that some of God's most pernicious modern-day apostles understand this too well. So they're like, obviously, I think what they're going to try to paint a picture of is this reality that's kind of interwoven into the Christian narrative, this, that, or I'm always saying this reality, this, this idea that is woven into the, the world of Christianity, there are those who may take advantage of it. Okay, now let's pivot. Then they say, at a time 
when fewer and fewer believers are going to church, that seems to be a documented fact. Fewer and fewer people are going to church. More and more people are not going to church. It is consumption, that's their word, it is consumption in these dark times that illuminates a deeply antisocial shift in evangelical Christian beliefs. They're saying something is happening right now that is leading to an antisocial shift in evangelical Christian beliefs. Now, I love listening and reading things that kind of tell me where Christianity is going. I don't know I've ever written down in any notebook, any journal, that Christianity has taken an antisocial shift. I have never written those words. I don't think I've ever read those words. I have kind of argued an opposite, that I think Christianity is not taking an antisocial shift. I think Christianity is realizing fewer and fewer people attending church. How are we going to get them back to church? What do we have to offer? Well, teaching is, I mean, does anyone really need to go to church to get the teaching? In our current situation, people can just go online and get all the teaching they want. They can read everything the church fathers ever wrote. They can read every commentary. They've got Bible studies. They've got devotional material. You've got so, you could, you could spend the rest of your life and not even begin to consume all the stuff that you could consume as a Christian. So churches really can't compete with that. They can't really compete with teaching. So I feel that Christian church has taken a pro-social shift and they're saying you need community. You need the socialization. You need it. You need to come to church for meeting people and socializing and, and community. They're saying that during these dark times, it's during these dark times that illuminates a deep antisocial shift in evangelical Christian beliefs. I, my philosophy is very, seems to be going in a different direction to theirs, but they've got to explain what they mean by an antisocial shift. Maybe they're right. I don't know. Are you ready to find out? Let, let's see. Let's see if we can find out. Are you ready? Here we go. Let's see if we can find out. Here we go. Chief. This is the second paragraph. Chief among the new doctrines, they say that there's a whole, I guess, a, a bunch of new doctrines. All right. I'm going to check something really quick, really here. I just want to make sure everything is good here. All right. Good. I think we're good. All right. Chief. Now, this is a saying chief among the new doctrines. So they say there's a list of new doctrines and chief among them is the idea that God rewards Seeding, that is the sowing, so seeding as seed, right? Seeding, that is the sowing of financial donations to churches or favored online preachers with a material harvest in return. Now, I don't think this is, I don't know why they're calling this a new doctrine. This is an old doctrine. You need to plant your seed in our ministry. You need to sow in our ministry. And as a result... You will reap a material harvest. In other words, you are going to be blessed materially based on the seed you plant into ministry. If you plant and sow a seed, you will reap a benefit materially. I don't see that's a chief new doctrine. I think that's a ever-present old 
doctrine. So let me see where they're going with this. And what does that have to do with an antisocial shift? Let's see. And what does it have to do with a war on poor people? I don't know. Inquiring minds want to know. So let's follow this narrative. Here we go. The prosperity, the prosperity gospel might sound as old fashioned and feel as familiar as a preacher in a three piece suit, but a new and cynical version is making comeback across ministries, both old and new among people who go to church and those who get their faith online. Oh, wait, now something. They're saying something is happening. So we have this old doctrine where God rewards seeding or sowing financial donations into a church with a material harvest in return. That's kind of a prosperity gospel. It's old fashioned. It sounds familiar. It says, however, there is a new cynical version that is making a comeback across ministries, both online and in person. I, I'm, I was not aware of this. I did not know this was happening. So I'm very, I, call me skeptical big time right now, but I'm willing to see where they're going to go. Let's go down to the third paragraph. A recent survey by Lifeway Research found that 52% of American church-going Protestants say their church teaches God will bless them if they give more money to their church and charities. This figure is up from 38% of churchgoers in 2017. It's an almighty leap, according to Lifeway's executive director, Scott McConnell, who attributes the shift to the pandemic. Now, that's interesting. 2017, only 38% of churchgoers say that their church taught them that God would bless them, you know, obviously financially, if they were to give more money to their church. And 2023, it's now jumped to 52%. Now, I don't know where the article is going to go. This is just now my, this is just me speculating here. This is just me speculating. Pandemic happens. Causes some financial upheaval in many churches. Church attendance is declining rapidly, according to most studies. I think I've seen a few try to argue against it, but most seems to say many churches are in a free for free for all, a, fr- a free fall, not a free for all. They're maybe in a free for all for all. That free fall and a church attendance is just plummeting, and nobody knows where it's going to end. So many canceling services. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if a church attendance is in a free fall, <laughs> people in the church are in a free for all. Okay. But you get the idea. Church attendance is plummeting. You come out of a pandemic. That's going to put some financial stress upon many congregations. So is there a possible coincidence that all of a sudden 52% of people are saying, hey, I go to church. You know what I'm hearing? Seed, plant your seed in this church. Sow your seed in this church and God will bless you materially. Is it possible churches have brought this back to try to make up for the, for the free fall of church attendance? Fewer people, you got to have, you got to, you got to get some people giving some more money to make up for it. 
Now, even the even the people who did the study said that this, in their words, it's an almighty leap. And he attributes the shift to the pandemic. The COVID years, he said, had a real effect on the way many believers see the relationship between their faith and their personal finances, both positively and negatively, he told the New Republic. There was a lot of frustration just on the financial side, whether people were out of money or they couldn't really spend the, the money they had on what they wanted, largely in the form of stimulus checks. They didn't feel very prosperous. So he says he's attributing it to, hey, people didn't feel very prosperous. They had some financial issues. So they kind of maybe considered differently their, their view of money and church and money and faith and how the two work together or didn't work together. I, I'm going to, I think that I'm not going to, I'm not going to discount that or dismiss that. I just think if church attendance is plummeting, what do churches do financially? What do you do when you look around and you're like, uh, well, this is the money we used to spend. We're not going to be able to spend that anymore. Things have to get cut. Positions, programs. Right. So I, 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 but let's see where he's going to go. Let's go to next paragraph. It's a discontent that cuts across religious lines, but with so many pastors and congregations forced to endure what they experienced as government restricting their ability to attend church, these resentments were often magnified among the faithful. And the return to normal life, McConnell believes that the inflation that followed left a lot of people with the sense that even if they've done well, they don't feel as in control of their finances. Enter the church. And more specifically, preachers who specialize in the health and wealth form of faith. Quietly, outlets such as television channel uh, INSP, all right, that's Inspiration Network, the rebrand of Jim Baker's PTL television network had become a fixture in the top 20 highest rating channels in the nation with viewership increasing 1,171% since 2010. Uh, the network that runs John Wayne films by day and Joel Osteen sermons by night has gained a foothold in American households. Okay. I man, something's going on that I'm not familiar with. So some of these more faith-based channels are now in the top 20. I got to read this again. Hang on. I got to read in the top 20 highest rating channels. What is going on? So the Inspiration Network, which is just now INSP, if you ever look at the Inspiration Network, it's available. I think it's available on DirecTV Stream now. It's available on some other uh, streaming platforms. And it is more like it's it's a lot of just bonanza, gun smoke, um, a lot of John Wayne, a lot of Westerns. Now, the PT, the rebrand of Jim Baker's PTL Television Network, I don't know what that is. Is it just called PTL now? Um they're, they're, these channels have become the 20th and the top 20 highest rating channels in the nation with viewership increasing 1,171% since 2010. The network that runs John Wayne films by day and Joel Olstein's sermons by night has gained a foothold in American households. 
prosperity gospel preachers no longer need to ply their trade on minor Christian broadcasting networks. They can speak to people on mainstream channels at all hours. For those without cable, Inspiration TV, the INSP's online arm, broadcasts a prosperity gospel message around the clock. Osteen and his cohorts might have to have captured an older television audience, but there's a whole new breed of prosperity preachers who specialize in the motivational Christianity that is made for online spaces. So it seems what they're attributing this to, why so many people now are going, hey, my church teaches 50 over 50% now are saying, hey, my church teaches me if I give, if I plant the seed, if I plant this, if I sow the seed, I'm going to be materially blessed. They're attributing it to it that the, the pandemic had a profound impact. And it seems they're also attributing it to it that these new rebranded Christian television channels are now in the top 20 of highest rated channels and more and more people are watching. So more and more people are learning this doctrine. That seems to be the direction of their hypotheses here. I would have never guessed those channels are that popular. I never would have. I wouldn't have guessed that in a million years. I don't think I would have guessed that in a billion years. Okay, something is... Something's happening. Once again, this may demonstrate, this may demonstrate, this is important, the decline in church attendance does not necessarily demonstrate a lack of faith or spirituality. See, some, I think some maybe who are liberal, progressive, her not Christians say church attendance is declining because Christianity is dead. This is the end of Christianity. People are become more secular. They become more material. I think maybe they're just changing where they're getting their faith. But if they're getting it from these people, then that's a, that's a frightening thought. Let's see where this is going to go. For all of its certainty, social media algorithms favor muscular Christianity. That's interesting. Do they? Do social media algorithms favor muscular Christianity? And can someone tell me what muscular Christianity is? Because I must have missed that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. During the pandemic, when people couldn't go to church, the preachers who had the online infrastructure in place to broadcast sermons and accept donations found a whole new audience, members of mom and pop churches who had nowhere else to go. Those who ended up getting their Christianity from Facebook rather than the pulpit found it all too easy to fall down into some extreme theological rabbit holes. And without anyone to bounce new ideas off of, they had no mooring. There was no congregation to moderate radical ideas. Okay. So they're saying what happens? The pandemic occurred. So then people started going online and they found some way. The algorithms directed them towards that kind of content. Now, this is where I've tried to say for 9,000 years, why, where, why is it sometimes that it's the charismatic, word of faith, prosperity, crazy, crazy theological cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs nonsense 
where they seem to always have the infrastructure and they use technology to get their message everywhere. And there's other churches that may have decent doctrine, decent theology, good teaching, and guess what they do? They don't use the technology because they're either too lazy to put forth the effort or don't seem to care about the people out there who are being fed lies. All they seem to care about in some cases are the people in front of them, and that's wonderful and great that you care about the people in front of them. But what about the rest of the people who are being led down some weird theological rabbit hole where they're now giving their money to an absolute heretical word of faith or prosperity gospel. Well, you're sitting around going, well, you know, you know, it's not my problem. Not my problem. Well, do you have a church building? Do you not know how to speak? Okay. Do you own a computer? You should find some way to get your content online. Why? To combat it. And you should use everything you have available to. I don't understand church's mindset who doesn't, they don't want to do anything. They don't want to try. I say it all the time when I drive past church building after church building after church building. And you look at these church buildings. There's a new one not too far from me. It's a church of Christ. If I get on the highway, the first thing I see is CrossFit. Then I go a little ways. And right when I get ready to go over the overpass, there's a brand new Allsup's. Hey, if you ever, ever in Texas, you got to stop by Allsup's and get a burrito. Okay. But I, I digress. There's an Allsup's on the left and on the right. There's this brand new Church of Christ building. It's a beautiful looking building. It's an amazing building. But if you drive past that building day, it's empty over and over and over. And I'm like, so what are they doing with that build? They got this brand new building. I don't know how many, probably over a million dollars to build the thing. You should be, you could be broadcasting all the day, all day long. You probably got a staff. Sometimes it's the big churches who do so very little with what they have, with the resources available to them. Well, who's going to combat the nonsense? They're saying the pandemic drove people online. Then when they got online, algorithms drove them to a certain kind of Christianity. Then they followed, they fell down a theological rabbit hole. And now a majority of Christians are saying that they're being taught that, hey, if I plant this seed in this ministry, I'm going to be materially blessed. And they're saying that that's a dramatic jump. When it was only used to be only like 30 something percent of people thought, uh, believed that or were taught that. Something is going on. Let, let's see where they're going to take this. And maybe this is what they mean by an antisocial shift. Maybe what they're saying is that within Christianity, there's an antisocial shift because more and more Christians are not attending church. They are relying on online ministries. So there's an antisocial aspect. I think then the Physical church is turning to a more social-minded philosophy because they're like, it's the social element that we're going to market. And the online ministries don't need to market the social aspect. They market the teaching aspect and putting forth their theological ideas. All right. Here we go. Uh, Scott McConnell believes that the bombardment of new ideas has disrupted conventional Christian teachings. We have access to so much knowledge and so many information sources, he says, and unless believers are intentionally returning to the Bible, few have the time to check their credibility. Here, proponents of the prosperity gospel, whether online or on television, can speak from both sides of their mouths. For the well-heeled, for the well-heeled success is an obvious reward of faith. For the disadvantaged, a God who is looking after them in this life as well as the next dangles a golden carrot at a time when social mobility is becoming harder to come by due to increasing inequality. 
This might go somewhere to explaining why the Lifeway study of church-going Protestants found that most most likely to agree that God will bless them. So now, now most church-going Protestants will now agree that God will bless them if they give money to the church and charities. Um, uh, are most commonly found among the demographics who felt the economic downturn most acutely. People ages 18 to 34, 81%, 35 to 49, 85%, and uh, are more likely to get on board with, with a God interested in prosperity than people over age 65. African Americans, 86% were more likely to get on board than whites and other ethnicities. But while the prosperity gospel speaks to the groups who are experiencing the worst of times, it's also being weaponized by some of the most right-wing elements in conservative circles in a form of retribution. Oh, this is interesting. So, this is an interesting development. People aren't going to church, so they're going online. They're going online for some reason. They're being driven to these very prosperity gospel-minded people because many people are feeling the difficulties of their financial situation. Then in a sense, they feel hopeless and helpless. And then they're being told, if you're feeling hopeless and helpless and you're in a dark place, here's what you need to do. Demonstrate that faith right now and go plant that seed. Send that seed, sow into this ministry, and then God will bless you. Now, there was, there was, there was been times in my life when I was in the military. Very, I was a young, still relatively young Christian and Christian television was, you know, there was, there were Christian television channels on all the time. And a lot of times because of the hours I worked, I was always up overnight. And I remember one night watching one of them and they, and I was just watching it and I don't remember who it was. And they were just preaching this like, you know, man, if you're having trouble financially and you're, you just trust me, God wants to help you out. But what God, for God to help, you have to give. And I, I'm just going to be honest. I never did it, but I was very tempted to, to pick up the number, call, uh, pick up the phone, call the number and try to give whatever money I had, five, ten dollars, because I was an airman with almost no pay. I had a family. I was like, you know, I was trying to make it, you know, and it was like, it's hard to survive. If you're in the military as a young airman and you've got a family, it's hard to survive, right? It's hard. Um, and so I was tempted thinking, man, if I could just give a little bit, then maybe God would bless it. And I, and, but, you know, I, 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 my, I, somewhere my reason kicked in and I'm like, this is, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But he's saying, so on one hand, you've got that going on, but on the other hand, you've got those on the right who are weaponizing this concept. Um, and, and, and a form of rep- retribution. I'm just going to read this quickly. It says, in May, Jason Matera, M-A-T-T-E-R-A, or Matera, I don't know how you would pronounce his name. Um, I'm not familiar with this individual. Uh, the son of Joseph Matera, one of the most influential modern prophets of the new apostolic reformation. Oh, wait. Okay. Those who know the N-A-R, you may know this person's name. If I'm mispronouncing it, please forgive me. Jason, M-A-T-T-E-R-A, Matera, all right, maybe Matatera, I don't know. 
Uh, Jason, Jason, son of Joseph, one of the most influential modern prophets of the new apostolic reformation, which emerged from the Pentecostal charismatic tradition that is sweeping all of evangelical Christianity before it wrote, before it wrote a piece outlining a new direction for prosperity theology. And the article titled a biblical view of work and welfare Matera Jr. opined that while Christians should help to alleviate poverty, they are not under any obligation to help indolent bums. Such people, he added, are not entitled to our generosity. Wow. While the concept of prosperity gospel has always held some latent hostility to the poor, that your circumstances belial a lack of faith, or at least that you're not doing it right, this view highlights an escalation of prosperity gospel thinking that says the quiet part very loud. So so I'm going to read this again. We, We need to do a little research here. Jason, M A T T E R, son of Joseph M A T T E R, one of the most influential modern prophets of the new apostolic reformation, which emerged from Pentecostal Christian tradition that is sweeping all of evangelical Christianity before it, wrote a piece outlining a new direction for prosperity theology. The article is entitled, you may want to look this up, A Biblical View of Work and Welfare. Junior opined, while Christians should help to alleviate poverty, they're not any obli- under any obligation to help indolent bums. Such people, he added, are not entitled to our generosity. Is, is this the beginning of a war on poor people by some within the Christian world? Or I, 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 don't, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot going on here in this article. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave it there for you. Do you see any of these changes? Do you see more and more Christians believe that, hey, if you give, God's going to give you back materially? Do you see more and more people who are dropping out of church but are following theological rabbit holes because algorithms are directing them towards more prosperity-type preaching? And do you see among maybe those you know who are associated with the the new apostolic reformation that they're having a more antagonistic and almost a attack on those who are poor? Do, Do you see any of these things happening within Christianity? I always like to see where Christianity is going. So we're going to utilize this. I'm going to keep this article. If you would like a copy of this article, email me newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. I will send it to you. I told you there was no way we we're going to finish it. I'm just going to stop it right here where it begins to describe this new war. I need to figure out how to pronounce this man's name, Jason Matera, um, if I'm saying that right. Matera. I, I don't know. Matera. Matera. I don't know. Have no, it's a name. I mean, you, name. Names rarely follow any rules, but um, and I, I don't. I, I apologize. One of those things I don't spend a lot of my life doing is trying to keep up with the new apostolic reformation, just because the teaching is so abhorrent that I. 
It's like, well, you need to keep up with it to speak against it. How many different ways do you need to speak against it? The whole thing is corrupt and it all flows from charismatic theology, which is corrupt. So I, to me, any charismatic theology is the, is the source. It's the cancer. Anything that flows from charismatic theology by default is corrupt and is, cor- and is flawed. So, you know, I, I, yeah. There you go. I mean, you can pursue and speak against that stuff for 50 hours a day, but unless you can convince people that charismatic theology is wrong at its core, you'll spend your forever trying to fight against it. So I don't know. But we'll get back to this. I, I just thought I thought I would at least bring this up. I'm curious to kind of see where this goes. We, we can track this and, and see if this article, is it is it on to something? Is there something going on within the Christian world that I'm not familiar with? Is there those now within Christianity who have a very antagonistic view towards the poor? Is prosperity preaching now about to make a massive comeback? I, I don't know. I, something is going on. At least they think something is going on. So we'll we'll explore this maybe more. I don't know if we'll get to it tonight, but we'll make a priority this week to get to this and do a little bit more work on what I did earlier today in regards to news and and some of those things as well. So, all right. I know we're supposed to be doing a pop quiz, but it's a pop quiz. So one will show up soon. And I have a strong feeling that the next Bible pop quiz will be in Ezekiel. So just keep that in mind. All right. Thanks for listening. Email me your thoughts on what we have covered. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. We will look into this more. The name of the article that we were reading from is The Evangelicals Calling for War on Poor People. We just scratched the surface. More to come. Do we say this is a developing story? I don't know if it's a developing story, but it's an interesting story where I kind of want to see exactly where they seem to be pointing that Christianity is going. Consider their hypotheses and see if we think it's going that way or not. You tell me what you think. Newsif at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great evening. God bless.